0: give like your you know elevator pitch or your uber pitch what you do and what specifically about Facebook ads that you've shed to the industry that's just been creating some of these amazing case studies
1: I've spent over a million dollars a day uh, I launched the very first lead gen ad unit I did the alpha for DPA I did the alpha for canvas ads rest in peace and then you
0: realize you yeah it's been even more like you're underspending right now in that sense
1: and, and I've you know installed system and process and built seven, eight, nine figure businesses.
0: At least seven or eight
1: businesses I've taken from high seven to low nine over the last like four or five years. One of the biggest things that those brands all have in common, my number one piece of advice
0: would be to figure out. Yeah, so we, we had one account and this fact that I'm actually building a case study around this one particular account right now. And we launched uh dynamic creative testing. Um we, we did our, we did our usual testing campaign, did really well for the first round. Then the second round I was like, hey, let's try a dynamic creative test. And um it crushed it. I mean, just did amazing. Um and then I was like, okay, cool, let's try this on another account. And It did not spin at all on that particular ad set. Spent like you know, was spending fourteen thousand dollars a day on this one campaign CBO, and the ad set was getting like fifty bucks, hundred bucks a day on it. So I'm like, sure, the ads weren't good enough. Got it. Exactly, exactly. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like. My heart's telling me, hey, let's set a minimum budget on this and force spin to it. But then I'm, I'm sitting back in my crate. Let me look at it from, you know, the disruptor's perspective. What yeah, would have a little Charlie say- in the
1: back of your head. It's going to work out <laughs> all right for you. I promise.
0: What, what would he say in terms of why it's not working? Well, A, that's not good enough. That sucks. Um, and we've seen that from time and time in our accounts um, where you drop a really hot ad in there. It's just amazing. It'll immediately get all the spin and crush for the account. That's so- what you want. That sounds, That's a great problem to have. Exactly. And so I was like, okay, cool. I was like, let's just validate this. Let's throw this in a testing campaign to force spin to it. If we force spin to it and it gets no results, then Facebook was telling us the correct truth at the beginning, but we're just too stubborn to admit it. Um, So through a test campaign. Through, ran it for three days hundred bucks a day and guess what nothing like literally blew 300 bucks so i'm like okay that just completely validated in that aspect right yeah there. <laughs> yeah so
1: it's, it's funny how like it's, it knows what it's doing when you let it actually do its job and you, when you get out of the way of micromanaging employees sometimes they're gonna do all right
0: that is true that is true so uh so yeah so we're definitely exploring it a lot more right now in the agency i think the uh um, the one thing we're looking at right now in terms of a problem is when you throw in a dynamic creative and, you know, a whole new ad set in a campaign with a high budget. And then that ad set sucks up a bunch of spin really good if it's getting positive results. But then when it's not getting positive results, that's the next thing we're looking at. So we're just looking at like tossing like a rule for something like that. Hey, sure. you know, here's just like a, a rule that's very, very, very loose. You know, if it spends 10 X, our target CPA with nothing, then just cut it. So that way sure. it doesn't blow too much.
1: Yeah, you might, because Facebook is ultimately optimizing towards the end user experience and it's optimizing towards delivery on estimated action rate, given the fact that it gets all of the spend, because spend is a meritocracy, you might have created something that creates a great user experience, but doesn't ultimately align your objectives with Facebook. So you're not algorithmically aligned where you produce something that demands all the spend, but doesn't produce any business. And those are great lessons to learn from, and definitely not things you should abandon, but figure out why it got spend, and also focus on what about it didn't drive the action. And ultimately, sometimes you also have to say, is that a bad thing? Mm -hmm. Because if it's getting you a ton of spend and you're reaching three, four, five times as many people, and you have an account with a lot of those, the incremental lift on every channel might also spike. So you have to be measuring, you know, I use ecosystem ROAS so I can measure all of it on a Google sheet. I don't use any fancy tech. Uh, I learned how to do attribution, fun story. My old boss was this woman, Marina Randolph, and she was basically the woman that invented the, but wait, there's more on the infomercial. She was the (laughs) vice president of Guthy That That may or may not be true, but that was like her job, right? And uh, she used to tell me, I used to come in here with all the reports and everything I hear everybody talking about these days, about attribution and ads and ABO and interest and all of this stuff. And be like, no, 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 this is doing great. Look at these numbers. She'd be like, I I don't give a damn. And and it took me forever. And she sat me down once and was like, this is how I know you're wasting my time. I can't see the results of your work. I was like, well, here's all the attribution. she said, when I was spending $100 million a year on television, my attribution model was 15 minutes after the infomercial aired. Wow. Get me something that rock solid or you can't come back into my office and talk numbers. It took me three months to figure out how to get 15 minutes of her time. And within 18 months, we took 310 Nutrition to nearly $100 million. Um. Once you figure that out, the point is, like you have to understand the omni channel impact of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I see so many folks saying this ad isn't working or interest groups just look better or lookalikes just look better. I'm like, I get it. Your Facebook report looks better. The ego of the marketer is improved, mm-hmm. but your finance department doesn't know you exist other than as a liability on the bottom line as a cost. There's no debit coming in because of your work. And that is extraordinarily humbling uh, to basically get laughed out of an office from somebody that's managing you know, nine, 10 figure business that has no interest in your time and you think that everything you're doing is good. And that's the hard part is to realize that what you've been taught to value not only as a business, but also like how many media buyers have been taught to say that they're good because of the X result, And then to know that that metric that you've based your ego, I'm not saying that as a negative thing, like your ego, super ego and id, like your self valuation is built on this bedrock of something that you've falsely attributed value to. That is extremely difficult to wrap your head around. And I love more and more I hear about people learning the bigger numbers that matter and really embracing that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a biggest thing. It's just a paradigm shift from going like, hey, I want to make six figures a year to like, hey, I want to build a business of seven figures a year. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, do you want an interest group that does $50 a day makes you $150 a day? Or do you want a broad campaign that does, you know, $500 a day and makes you back $1,000 a day? Yes, you're a lower ROAS, but you can scale way more, Um, you know. And, and then you start impacting the things with CPA and LTV, start adding that to it. And then you realize it's yeah. been even more. Like you're underspending right now in that sense.
1: Yeah, like I always tell people... In my experience of, and, and I've you know installed system and process and built seven, eight, nine figure businesses. I, I've been doing it, uh, at least seven or eight businesses I've taken from high seven to low nine over the last like four or five years. At some one point you're lucky, then it's coincidence. Then it's like, okay, well, maybe this thing works. So the point where now it's kind of like on demand and it'll happen. And what I can tell you is one of the biggest things that those brands all have in common. Like, if I had to set up a business right now to get you to eight figures from six, my number one piece of advice would be to figure out how can I allow a worse result on Facebook to be a good thing for my business? I only have a thousand a day to spend. Why isn't it five? The reason it's not five is almost always because you can't let Facebook run that inefficiently. My solution to that is you need to have a better business model. Mm-hmm. And once you figure that out, I'll, I'll give an example with 310, just because we referenced them earlier. When I came in, they were doing about 5,000 a day, like a two and a half three and a half, 3X on the 28 day, one day attribution. When I left, we were in the 30 to 50 K a day at a 0.8 on a one day click, because we knew that customer was worth about a four or five in aggregate over the lifetime value. So Mm -hmm. when you start looking at Facebook as an amplification of intent creation and the growth of your business, instead of the place where you make money, Facebook isn't a salesperson. Facebook should never be thought of as the place where you make your money. You know, if if we if you ever watch Shark Tank and somebody's pitches, all we need now is really good marketing. You're going to get laughed off the stage.
0: And, actually, and my, I my reason
1: to bring that up is if you say all I need to do to scale my business is has Facebook be profitable so I can continue to scale it, you've already lost. And so the point is figuring out all of that other stuff and then making Facebook as stable and predictable as possible so that you can amplify the volume of all of those other things. Mm -hmm. Like if you truly want to get better conversion rate optimization on your landing page, you sure as hell better not be running more than broad as an audience. Because or, or running multiple types of... Like, how many different type of people do you want coming to your store that you're going to try to optimize after the click? Your store should attract the type of attention that your advertising brings in. But when you start to force that to many different types of people, well, you're going to have 50 people of this type, 1,000 people of this type, 400 of this type, 300. There's no way you're going to be able to have a solution that fits for all of them. But if instead they're all whatever, because every ad makes its own lookalike audience based on its performance. If, you're, if your customer experience is built off of just optimizing the flow of who your ad attracts and your ads are built around a sustainable, like just whatever works, just getting attention, showing the product, overcoming objections, all of that stuff, then your ability to make CRO is going to improve. Your ability to test LTV is gonna improve because every customer more or less looks and feels the same. They all have the same customer experience before the journey. So uh, uh, figuring out how to get, improve LTV by 20, 30, 50% is gonna go way up because everybody's the same. And then trying to make business decisions that'll grow so you can plan for three months, six months, a year in the future is gonna be a lot easier when your data set is one type of customer because you're ultimately promoting one product and attracting ads that bring in that type of user. And maybe you want to expand who those people are. And so you find different ads that will target different individuals, but still you're strategically expanding the business. So you go from a car dealership that just sells minivans to being a car dealership that sells minivans and sedans. You don't go minivans and then F1 sports cars. There's no vertical integration. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But like to use the real world example, if you're an iPhone accessories business with cases, instead of then going to cat toys, maybe you go to like chargers or like phone accessories. Like you bought one, you're likely to buy the next. Now, now the customer journey feels very similar and it becomes very really easy to build a brand. But yeah, I don't know. That stuff is just fun to me. And I love to see how many more people are embracing it and people doing the one campaign and the dynamic creatives. And it's, I've gotten to the point where I just like send people links from chats I did in 2018, 2019, eBooks in 2020. I'm like, I love that you finally embraced this. Here's the roadmap for your next six months. And um, I get some people pushing me back like nobody likes to know it all. And I'm like, sure. (laughs) But if I can save you six months Why not just listen, especially if I'm going to help you out the whole way. And it's I don't know everything I've made. I just have the luxury of making hundreds of millions of dollars of mistakes. There's a benefit from that. You know, like I get to teach and I, every day I have folks coming in from ad accounts from different agencies and experts and gurus. Like, I can't tell you how many people I talk to, but it's like, Hey, Nick, You know, that account that's not really working out. And this guy said goodbye to you two weeks ago. They became my student three weeks ago. Like that kind of stuff happens all the time. And so I know how people are doing things. And when I give people advice in public, I'm not calling them out to be a dick. I'm like, I've already seen your internal workings. I already fixed your problems six times. If you listen to me, I'm going to be able to help you. Um, and it's fun. Plus, you know, I get it. I feel like this. I, I'm curious what you think. The elite media buyers, the elite agency folks, the elite marketers. There's something like, did you see Maverick from Top Gun? Yeah, you know the oh, Top Gun Maverick? Absolutely.
0: Movie? Watch that movie twice.
1: <laughs> there's a little bit of that in a lot of the really good media buyers. There's sort of that like alpha dog mentality. But right? there's a little bit of that swagger that you you kind of need a little bit of it. I think you need that confidence, you know. Uh, and so I'll gladly be Maverick with the new class, and he's trying to help people out. It's not that I'm trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to let you know you think you can't. You need three minutes fifteen. I can do it in two eighteen every time. I'll let I'll, I'll knock it in. I'll do that run in under two minutes thirty. Like I'll just show you the way, and then all of a sudden you can do it you know, like the, I, 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 and I'll reference this, um, for 2,500 years, nobody could run a mile or 2,200 years since it was defined from like the, uh, the, I think the, the Greek, uh, warrior running to the city of marathon and that time, that distance being calculated for 2,100, 2,200 years, nobody could do it under four minutes. In the 30s a science guy a scientist slash like part-time athlete in the rain on a windy day did it in 3 minutes and 59 seconds. It took 48 days for somebody else to do it. You just need somebody to show you that it exists and it can work and then all the floodgates open. And I just I don't know. I, I enjoy talking about this stuff. I don't even remember where we started. I feel like I completely derailed this. I apologize.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's in a good, a good, um, direction. <clears throat> and there's definitely some people right now that I know are watching this are like, Nick, who the hell did you bring on the channel? So Charlie, <laughs> I know there's a good 50% of our viewers that know you watch your channel, consume some of your stuff. Some people have you know sent your way and, um, you know, they're like, dude, Nick, thank you for sending me to Charlie. Like I, I've, I've, you know, been seeing the stuff you talk about broad i went to charlie learned more about broad now it's like exponentially growing my results with facebook but you know for those who don't know you charlie can you give like your you know elevator pitch or your uber pitch of what you do and what like what specifically about facebook ads that you've shed to the industry that's just been creating some of these amazing case studies
1: yeah i mean i've been around facebook games since before there was a pixel uh, I remember when conversion campaigns were invented, which, by the way, was 10 times the tragedy that iOS 14 was supposed to be. Um, and I, my clients have been mom and pop shops spending 1500 bucks a month to CBS, Nissan, Apple, Progressive Insurance, MGM, New Balance. I brought brands to market. I've been around the game for a long, long time. Uh, I've developed six, seven, eight, nine-figure brands uh, I've spent over a million dollars a day. Uh, I launched the very first lead gen ad unit. I did the alpha for DPA. I did the alpha for canvas ads, rest in peace. And I was there for the development of the power five, um, and the, or in the original Facebook disruptor group. Um, and so I kind of helped write the manual on how to do creative testing and use CBO with advanced matching to scale $200 million for brands. And over the last several years, I went from training agencies and working in-house as a employee at businesses to training media buyers, brands, and agencies at a direct level to teach them the operations, standard operating procedures, and the, and the architecture and this, and the repeatable systems and process for projectable and scalable results that you can trust. Um, and, you know, I, I just thoroughly enjoy this stuff, uh, I know it intimately because I helped build a lot of it. And uh, I, I, like I think I said before, I've made a couple hundred million dollars in mistakes. Uh, And now every single day I get to talk to people from around the world where I'm in their ad accounts, solving their problems. And my biggest focus is to, to help people be more successful, to be less stressed and to ultimately create jobs and opportunity, confidence and freedom for folks and, that is, that is a blessing that I can have because I have been there. I'm a recovered junkie. I got about 10 years clean. I just have to make the decision between heroin and food. And now I get to help people quit their jobs and achieve their dreams and create opportunities for others. And it is a beautiful place. And I think that is about 27 minutes shorter than any other description I could possibly give about how I got here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that was beautifully well said, man. And, um, you know, I, I I first discovered your content somewhere around January when I got onto DTC Twitter. And I was aware of the broad targeting. I first discovered it from Chase Chappelle, um, okay. Chappelle Digital, um, sometime like mid-2021. And I started spending a little bit on broad, not much, never embraced it. But I understood the power of it because my biggest case studies always had a broad audience in it. So then I came across your stuff in January and I started really embracing it. And since February of 2022 till now, we haven't ran one interest, one look like, or one retargeting campaign. And we managed around 750 to a million dollars a month in ad spend between 10 clients. And last year we never crossed two, 300k a month in ad spend. and we were running interest look like, retargetings and all this crazy stuff. And now we're spending more and making our clients the most money ever by just simplifying everything. <laughs> so I definitely owe you, a, you know, huge thank you for that. Just to oh, really kind you. of hit some of those key points. Um, and at first I was very skeptical, which is a lot of other people that are watching this are like, Nick, I've tried rod targeting, it didn't work. And I'm curious, what is? I know mean, you get that a thousand times a day, but what's sure. like your short, Farm answer? Hey, I tried broad targeting. You know, I had a look like that was running at three x. ROAS interest group that was running out of 5X ROAS, and then I threw in a, a broad targeting audience with some of my ads for those groups, and it didn't work. What's your, it. what's your response for that?
1: Yeah, well, it's three parts. Number one, ROAS is a nonsense number. Throw it out, never use it again. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, actually, the concept of attribution is saying that the last touch point gets credit for the entire sale. So does the car salesman at the dealership, should they get credit for every car sold by that they that they sell, basically, if you want to ha- start a brand new car company, does that mean you just need to hire a million salespeople and you'll be a billionaire overnight? No, that's ridiculous. So, first part is we have to get rid of that because ultimately, your business doesn't grow because your Facebook ROAS is good. Your business grows because cash flow uh, and business and and a customer acquisition is happening at scale that ultimately can overcome your burn rate, right? It's a finance problem, right? It's a math problem. So first off, the analysis of what's working, what's not working needs to be changed. Second, part of the reason when you're running localites and interest targeting and broad, why localites and interest groups work better is because they're stealing what the broad could do. The broad doesn't have the opportunity of making those touch points. So if you've got a 200 million person audience, or maybe you're in like Italy and it's like 17 million or something like that, if you've got lookalikes that have been running, number one, there's a lot of data behind them or interest groups or whatever that have been running and are s- much smaller. The opportunity for them to today outperform things is probably true. But that's penny, pound, that's, you know, penny smart pound foolish. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're stepping over millions of dollars to go grab a $10 bill on the street. You're not thinking about what life is going to be like in three months. You're trying to stay in business today. And you gotta switch up that thinking. And then the last thing that I wanna do is talk about what broad really is. And you have to understand that audiences don't do targeting. The concept that an audience targets individuals is is a fallacy. That's not how it works. An audience constrains the available inventory to just certain people. Now an interest group, which by the way, Facebook hasn't done development on interest group in years, so you're using five, six-year-old technology that Facebook doesn't support and have been begging you to stop using for forever. An interest group, one third of the people in an interest group are there by accident. Like the tech is just out of date. Half of the people that are there are there because they don't like you. Not because they do. An interest doesn't imply intent. So that means up to two thirds of your available audience is bad. But hey, that other one third is great. And you're seeing wonderful results from them. But, and then you're like, well, lookalike targeting just follows people that are going to buy. Sure. But it's predictive. It uses a data set that you have to establish what things might happen. The problem is, as you deplete that data set, you're getting a smaller, as you, you know, if it takes you a thousand impressions or, 20,000 or 100,000 impressions to drive a sale and say you reach 50,000 people, one person buys, which isn't terribly uncommon with CPMs. Let's say it's it's 5,000 people, 3,000 people to get somebody to buy. 3,000 people, $20 CPM, $60 CPA. Let's say it's 3,000 people. The quality of that lookalike after several weeks is going to continue to deplete because you're running out of new people. So you're making a copy of a copy based on lower quality data over and over again. So it's like a VHS of a VHS of a VHS to the point where it stops working. So audiences don't do targeting. They restrict the available inventory to a certain spe- to a certain spot. Now, the real truth is ads do the targeting. And I'll give a very quick example on this. If you send out an ad and it reaches a thousand people, 500 people liked it, 500 people didn't. When that ad goes out to the next 1,000 people, do you think that Facebook will try to comprise that 1,000 people who are more like the 500 that received it positively, especially if somebody clicked on it or watched it or commented on it? Of course. Mm -hmm. It's going to go after people who look like those that responded positively, especially if they start taking desired actions. That's a lookalike audience. Every post ID makes its own lookalike audience. When you drop in detailed targeting, one, you're paying a premium. Back in the day, Facebook literally used to tell you this detailed targeting option is 28 cents CPM or 50 cents CPM higher. And I know you're thinking, well, that's not that big of a deal, but we're talking back when CPMs were like four bucks,
0: three <laughs> <Yeah>. bucks, right? <laughs> like TikTok CPMs now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or what they were in November when everybody said it was the future. Now they could be 30, 40, $50. Dollars. But yeah, um, my point there is, you're paying a premium to then constrain the available people that can see your ad. Your hope is that the, what the ads look like audiences has an overlap over what that interest group is. At a small scale, there is an overlap, and there's definitely some people to get. Mm-hmm. At 100 bucks a day, that might be great. At $10,000 a day, you're going to run out in like three days, and you'll never be able to use it again. So you're never gonna be able to scale by paying extra to make your ads less successful. And when you run broad, all of your data goes into one place. So ultimately the machine gets smarter and smarter, that concept of Kaizen, it's gonna get a little bit better every single day. And it's getting a little bit better by basically you're saying, hopefully you make the right choice, but a bad choice is never gonna be repeated and eventually you're whittling away all the gray area you're chipping away at the marble until all you have left is is the good money and and if you think of it in that way there's legitimately no good reason to use something other than broad which by the way is doing retargeting for you anyway if you don't believe me go look at the frequency column is it over 1.0 the answer is yes then that means people are getting retargeted. So there's debunked everything about targeting, hopefully in the simplest way possible. Believe me, I've done hours that get way more in depth, but I'm trying to be more concise.
0: Yeah, no, you hit it straight on that. And uh, and another way too, for the retargeting side, yeah, it looks cool with a second campaign, you know, 50 bucks spin, with you know a five hundred dollars in revenue yeah you have a 10x row but then your main campaign is making a thousand dollars day at two you know two or three thousand dollars a day in revenue it's like it's it's a small portion of revenue and your main campaign would have done it anyway without that retargeting ad set. so sure it's just like that mental compartment compartment that people are making around retargeting and like prospecting separately and,
1: and, and even on top of that does that extra $500 show up actually in your cash register as an extra 500? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Maybe it shows up an extra buck 20. But if you send out an email and somebody opens it and clicks on something and then searches on on Google, lands on something, and later that day gets served an ad and buys, maybe you needed all those touch points. But Google and email is also going to get credit for the revenue. And what if that situation is reversed? What if they see your ad and then open an email from you? That ad, if you have view through, is gonna get credit. And I'm not saying the view through is bad, but retargeting revenue is far less incremental. So maybe you get a five X, but if only 20% of it is real new money, you basically broke even and you spent a lot extra money to do it. And the opportunity cost is if you're retargeting CPM is 50 and your prospecting is 15 you reached the same people a few times instead of reaching three times as many brand new people. You prevented your business from growing by trying to make Facebook look better even though you didn't actually receive any additional revenue because of it over cost, Mm -hmm. which is generally speaking, not a way you grow a business. Correct. Frowned upon in this establishment. I'll put it that way. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And and also too, like, I, I think people are looking at it from a different perspective too. This is, this is the reason why I love it. You know, I used to run four retargeting campaigns, a MoFu, a Bofu, and then a past purchases campaign. And then some of those campaigns, I would have like a zero to seven days, 14 to 30 days. And I would, and I would have so many different creative concepts in the account. That I was focusing on stuff just to make a little bit more money in the back end, but I wasn't focusing on the things that was, you know, you can go if you go double your top of funnel revenue right now, it's gonna create a huge incremental lift in your business. If you go increase your retargeting effectiveness, yeah, it might make a little lift, but your retargeting is still dependent on your prospecting anyway to keep feeding people in the funnel. So you're, you're, you know, you're building the wrong part of the business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like when you start to look at a business as a whole and say you've got Google. Or search because I'll say Google and, is, but it should be search. And by the way, if you're running Google and not Bing, do yourself a favor. Open up a Bing account. It has an import Google Ads function. It's a button, and you'll basically be on two platforms that are 100% duplicate your Google. Do that right now. Like pause, come back, in like 15 minutes, and uh, you know you, you'll be making a few extra bucks tomorrow. Like just do it. But if you're also running email. What you have to understand is, do you think retargeting the people that were added to that that are in your abandoned cart email flows that are already searching for you is gonna drive you new net revenue versus reaching a hundred new people that have never heard of you before? Which one of those things do you think if you do at scale a thousand times over is gonna make you rich versus which one is gonna make a report that makes the Facebook media buyer feel good in a meeting that doesn't include the CEO or the finance department. Like, you got to understand what your objectives are, what your priorities are. Uh, um, so yeah, running it bought on Facebook also improves your e- email open rate because people like your business are more likely to open the email, improves your search volume. And if you're running Google Analytics to data traffic analysis and UTMs, which I have a whole other problem with UTMs, I'm, I don't use them, but that's just because I... Don't care about ego. Uh, you're gonna see direct traffic spike when you run broad versus retargeting. That, that non the direct untracked traffic is gonna go way up because how many of those people just hear about you and look go to your site, or how many of those people click but they got ad blockers on, or how many times is your UTM attached anyway but it gets stripped because they're inside the Facebook browser or on incognito window. Mm -hmm. that could be as small as 18% of your traffic and as big as 60 to 70%. So why not focus on bringing in new people? Plus it's so much easier. Like it it could be, if you're managing Facebook and it's over three hours a week, I promise you you're working too hard. Like I'm personally, I am an equity partner in a business, women's clothing business. I got broad on in February. They spent 200,000 in Facebook ads. In July we spent 1.2 million.
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah. I spend maybe 3 hours a week. I do all my app, all my reports on in platform attribution on a Google sheet. I only do broad with dynamic creatives. I'm promoting one product. And we're crushing. When everybody else says Facebook's hard, and you're coming in a recession, you're not. That's a lie. So if, if your business is going down right now, understand it's not that less people are buying. Maybe that's true. But what it also means is there's somebody out there doing better than you stealing your market share. Mm-hmm. There's always a dog bigger than you in the pound. You just have to eat their food, even if there's less food to go around. And that should be your focus. There's no limitation in buying behavior and all that. That's nonsense. People are still spending money. Like, yeah, you're not blockbuster losing to Netflix, right? You got a corner bakery and like, you you know, like, and, and somebody opens up a Dunkin' Donuts down the street. That's your problem. They're just going to sh- steal your market share from you. Like, so you have to compete with that. And if you get your stuff right, like, you'll be able to put the Starbucks out of business in your small town because you just do a better job of customer service and product. And you see that happening all the time. So run a good business and keep it simple. Like, yeah, we're gonna do seven figure business. It takes me maybe 10 hours a month to manage. Before I came on, it was three to four hours a day. And
0: that's just way too, you're just working way too hard. hurt your future. I don't I've know. been there. That's my opinion. I've, I've been there with literally just two ad accounts early in my Facebook career, which is like mid 2019 um, or late, later <laughs> 2019, where I literally just had two accounts spending 2k a day total. And I remember like being a day trader in the ad account all day, oh, yeah. seven, eight hours. Now I spend 15k a day in just one account. And I spend 15 minutes a day inside of that account, jump in, make a few tweaks. Jeez. That is it. There you go. The rest of the time is on ads that lift the business forward. And that's where I want to touch next is okay, cool. Broad targeting may have not worked with your existing ads, but then you start building new ads and testing them against broad until you find that winner that you know takes your business forward. That's also the biggest thing, too, that I feel like a lot of people are not seeing as well.
1: Yeah, like if your ads that you tested against retargeting or an interest group work there great like so you're the you're you're the best bicycle rider as long as it's downhill with training wheels on awesome if you can start to run dynamic creatives abroad it might work they might not but if every couple of weeks it continues to seem to get better and better if you get two percent better a week With your dynamic creatives against broad over the course of a year you're gonna get three times as good right that's two percent a week over 50 iterations my point to that is saying that maybe it's not working right now but if you continue to invest in it it's probably better than the worst option you have so if you start to remove if you think of it as cost averaging with your investment portfolio and dynamic creative abroad is ninth out of 12 options. Well, it's better than three. So give it the budget of ten, of 12, 11, and 10, and it'll get better. Now maybe it's the seventh out of nine options. Let it start to gobble up everything else. It's not gonna be better on day one, but give it a couple of months and the best day you've ever had will be a dip will be the worst day that you face when times are super dark and that's you have to think about is business is not about turnkey solutions that work and scale immediately it's about investing in long-term relationships and scalable solutions and none of that stuff is an overnight success it takes an investment and If you're not willing to make that investment, then understand that you are going down this flywheel that ultimately you're gonna have to work a little bit harder to get better. You're gonna have to do a little bit worse because your costs are gonna continue to rise because you're disrespecting the algorithm, so you're gonna continue raising your CPMs. By the way, for those of you that haven't seen your CPMs drop in the last two years, you're doing Facebook wrong. (laughs) Um, if your CPMs continue to rise, you continue to work a little bit harder, eventually you're get priced out of the market, which is what Facebook is doing. Basically they're saying, you're disrespecting our customers and our business model. So we're gonna just tax you a little bit more a little bit more and a little bit more, more till eventually you can't play because we know somebody that's doing a better job will gladly come in and do it. So uh, that's the way that I think about it at least. And I used to be the, you know, I would get a Trenty cold brew, no ice put on some headphones and I can by force of will produce another 10 to 20,000 in revenue that day, but I had to do it every single day. And if I took a day off, the business felt a 30, 40 K hit in revenue. Like you can't run a business like that. You can't scale a business like that. You can't achieve dreams where it means that your best employee has to give you a plus work every waking moment of every single day. It's just impossible. Plus, the machine's going to be better than you anyway. So you might as well just embrace making a fa- an automated factory. You know, uh, Henry Ford figured this out over 100 years ago. Just do that. It's a lot easier. And you make more money.
0: Yeah, you spend a lot less time in the ad account. And that's... You know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't mind it for the money, but yeah, you do that for a year and then your business barely moved forward and you realize you wasted a year when you could just jump in, embrace this now and, you know, tremendously change the trajectory of your business, which is huge. Um, and I'm I'm curious too, because I know we're going to get into the end of this, but just for the people that are kind of questioning, like, you know, your setup and you said you run one campaign. What does What does that one campaign look like? It looks like this. <laughs> There's no one in this no is how you make right them <laughs> that could show their whole ad account structure in a, on a post-it note. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is how I spend a million dollars a month on Facebook. <laughs> one ad set that has your best post IDs, one to two dynamic creatives whose sole job is to produce ad sets that cost average to improve the efficiency of that winners. When you improve your efficiency, let's do some quick math. If your goal is to get to a $50 cost per and you get it down to a $45 cost per, you could immediately invest 10% more at a complete loss with no additional revenue and you're still better than your target. Now, odds are you're not gonna see no additional revenue. Hmm. But maybe, maybe you increase it by 10 and it goes to like $46. Great, do it again. Maybe it goes to like 47, great, do it again. Maybe it goes to like 48. Do let it sit, it gets a little bit smarter, it starts to work its way back down to 46, 47. It's about profitable scaling margin. Understand, beat your objective and then invest into the margin and put some of that money in your back pocket so that ultimately I look at growing a business with what I call a total loss investment. How much money can I dump into this with zero earnings and I'm still okay? Because even if I get nothing attributed to a Facebook sale, my search volume is going to go up. I'm going to get more people signing up for an email list. And if you can't make money on the back of that, you probably shouldn't be in business anyway. And so, yeah, that's all you need. How long should you be running the test for? until they're done? Do you think the Gregorian calendar has any impact on how mathematics work for the scientific method? Do you think Isaac Newton or Madame Curie running the scientific method gave a damn about how Romans wanted to account for the rising and the setting of the sun? No, doesn't matter. I launch my test once a week. I don't care. Is it done? I don't know. Well, then it shouldn't be over. And the way you know that your test is over is, is the result predictable? Can you say, I know for a fact, I'm gonna end here. If the answer is no, well, then the test isn't finished. You have no confidence. So ultimately it's about setting yourself up to make binary high confidence decision. Is it better, yes or no? If the answer is, I don't know, well, then your test isn't over. And when when the answer is yes, Great, put it into your winner's campaign, get rid of the worst option, cost average down. And you run that process over and over again, it's gonna be really hard to be unsuccessful when every week you're getting a little bit better. Like if that doesn't help you, I don't know what to say. Like then then, then Facebook's done its job. Um, and when you focus that on one offer and you do something very well, you you you're, you're going to be in a it, it's extremely difficult to be unsuccessful like at that point you are only working on amplifying the part of the business model that can handle scale and is already working uh, that's money in the bank that's just easy easy peasy rinse wash repeat scale another business like that stuff is when you get it down to that simple like i said i got it on a sticky note I got my entire account structure down on what is effectively a not very elaborate etch a sketch. If it's more complicated than that, you're probably doing it wrong. My golden rule is: if your solution to the problem is to make things more complicated, it's the wrong solution. That's that's true about 98 percent of the time. There's every, every now and again you got to be more complicated. Yeah, I, I,
0: yeah it's, it's not a goal. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: it's not perfect.
0: That is good though. Cause yeah. Simplicity scales. That's my biggest thing. And you know, our old account structure, we can never really go after three or four clients without having to have multiple media buyers or agency or something like that. Just simply because it's so fucking, it's so like complicated to the point where like it takes way, a lot of time. When You have a very simple out account structure. One, you're also going to see more consistency with Facebook, which is also the biggest thing we noticed, you know, we don't have to be in the account every day and, you know, with huge ups and downs in the account. We have a pretty consistent flow of results on a daily basis. Um, and then two, yeah, it's simple. It's literally anyone. We can hire someone really quickly, teach them it, and they can immediately implement it. And that's right there. Um, and then we also focus on what you can control, which is exactly goes back to your dynamic creative test and everything and building better ads that move the business forward on a weekly basis. Um, and I know for you, you can attest to this as well, that, usually when you hit huge breakthroughs and spin is due to a better ad as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like part of that 2 million to 1.2 million was investing in consumer psychology uh, and working on our business flow and resulted in an ad that spent $2 million. And I've shown that ad. I've broken it down. Dara Denny did like a dive into it. <laughs> I've like, seen
0: it. <laughs> yeah. And
1: she was like, submit me your ads. And I did. And I was like, here's the receipt. Here's a screenshot of the thing. And she's like, okay, Charlie, bring in the heat. Let's check it out. And my energy's is like, okay, this is a uh, wow. And you, this is good. I like it. Uh, and I would say if you're going to invest your time and energy, spend it working with someone like Sarah Levenger on your consumer psychology or Glenn Rudin on brand positioning. That's going to move the needle a 1,000x more than an audience or bidding model ever will. And it'll do so in a sustainable fashion that will create long-term cash flow and growth. Um, Otherwise, you're playing the lottery. And you might get lucky today, but if you've ever gone to Vegas and hung out at the craps table, eventually you're going to leave broke. Like, you can't win... Uh, You you, you don't just make more money the longer you sit at the table. That's not how it works. Like, hold them, no limit, hold them poker? Sure. If you're better than somebody, you're going to win. But it's roulette. Right? No matter what you do, there's still those two green spots that are going to screw you over on the numbers at large. And, like, you're not going to be able to account for it. You can't. The house will win. So, you got to figure out how to be the casino and and that's that's my biggest effort is like i'd rather invest i'd rather own the tables mm. and just take all of the money than uh try to get rich one a couple days here a couple days there and eventually lose it all trying to get rich on the next day because you will lose
0: yeah no, i think that's the biggest takeaway from this is yeah it's um i've talked to a lot of people that follow this channel come from drop shipping backgrounds and that's a whole nother video right there. Uh, sure, you know, we can go along along and talk about that. But it's like, hey, well, Nick, what if I just find one product, one creative, and one interest group that works well? I could just scale it up over the next like three months. I'm like, cool. But that's a three month business. Do you want to build a three month business or a three to five year business or even thirty to fifty year business? Two complete different foundations. You want to build on um, and how long and how wealthy you want to want to achieve? Yeah, right there as well.
1: And by the way, if you're in the dropshipping world, my number one piece of advice to you is product testing your emails for vertically integrated products and then build LTV off your customers. Um, I can't tell you how many business, I mean, that's basically building a brand, right? I've done it with like, back in the day, it was a like, uh, it was like a, a stress cat. It was called squishycats.com. I think the site is still up. I got out of that business forever ago. Um, but it was like a, it was a phone case. And then we used emails to see what other cat related phone accessory people might want to buy. One of them is a smash. What do we do? We took that revenue from the smash, dropped half of it into Facebook ads to try to sell that product. Eventually broke even on that second product. And then it became the next thing. And then we did product testing in the emails for those buyers. What are they going to buy next? We sold to the same people three, four, five times. And every time it was a vertically integrated phone accessory cat related product. And We built a brand that was just purely drop shipped. And all we did, our Facebook ad dollars came from uh, 50% of revenue from email product testing. And we didn't have to buy anything. We didn't spend a single dollar testing products. None of it. And for that matter, big shout out to Liquid Death's amazing print-on-demand and drop shipping model.
0: I love them. They did amazing. (laughs) Like...
1: You buy one, like you go to the website and sign up and you're now on their like print on demand store, which is crazy. Like every day I get an email of like, this is a fun shirt or this is a fun thing. And it takes like four weeks to get there. I forget about it shows up like, this is awesome. But they're the best print on the band business I know right now. And I like the fact that we're talking about a canned water company running the best drop ship uh like print on demand business mm-hmm. is wild but it tells you just how smart they are
0: they I know their it. audience very well
1: yeah <laughs> and i love that nobody knows who's behind that business too like nobody's coming out like i'm a ceo as i'm a him of liquid death no like that doesn't exist on twitter that person is not talking in public which i think only amplifies the cool
0: yeah i, I can't wait to see uh that guy come out that'll be uh interesting to hear a little bit more about him I'm sure it'll be on an Ed Milet interview soon.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Well, cool, Charlie. Well, look, man, we're running out of time. Um, I think this was definitely gave our audience a lot more to learn a little bit more about broad targeting as well. Um, got to learn a little more about you as well too. And the been... <laughs> I know we see people in the comments below on my videos. They're like, "Hey, man, you know, just start following Charlie." You know, thank you. Um, and then like another person who's Charlie. Uh, so guys, this is Charlie. Um, definitely want to give him a follow. Um, what what social media platforms people should follow you on?
1: Anyone you're at, I'm putting content there several times a day. It's at CT the Disruptor on, link, uh, on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. If you're there, I'm there. If you don't see me there, let me know and I'll make sure to spam it several times a day with content better than other people are selling. And it'll all be free. If you I want like to know what the Pinterest. people that are going to sell you bad at, The people that sell you advice right now, if you want to know what they're going to sell you in three years, you can follow me for free today. That's my cocky statement. That is my like, whatever, I'll throw, I'll throw the London broil on the countertop. But that's been right since about 2017. Uh, Going back to Tim Bird's Cloud CBO, which was just basically my bucket-based CBO case study before the development of the Power Five. Uh, This is 2018, maybe. I've been, that's, that's generally a, a, couple, a couple years ahead. And I, I love that everybody's embracing broad because I got made fun of from 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Now most people are like, ah, oh, this broad thing seems to be working out. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's starting to work. I'm like, let's do things the right way. You'll be all right. Give me a follow, I love it. Um, If you have any things you'd like to know or, or, or like make me talk about, let me know. I make a ton of content so I'm always up for more ideas uh, and, and collaborations and just suggestions, man. Sometimes the well runs dry. I'll gladly take some ideas. Uh, I got some fun new TikTok ideas uh, that, that I'm going to try out just to see if people dig the content. Uh, I just try to be entertaining and then sneak in good advice while I'm there. We'll see. I'm doing like, I'm starting to do, like, I did one that was like this, it blew up on YouTube shorts. I did it on TikTok but I've noticed in all these, like, thirst trap girl videos. So I'm starting to just kind of like mock the girl thirst trap like the audio with me like pretending to take my shirt up and going like uh uh-uh. uh and then like giving just a bunch of good advice and uh <laughs> that is blowing up. I don't know. Like I'm just trying to have fun with it. And and I uh, and and uh thank you very much Nick I really do appreciate it. And thank you for all of the very nice kind words that uh you, you dropped in along the way. It, it's um ultimately my focus is to help people be more successful. I don't I don't run an agency anymore. I do teach. I, I, I do have things, you can check it out, Disruptor School, Facebook, Disruptor.com, Facebook Ads MBA program, all that fun stuff. Um, But I think that you shouldn't trust any stranger on the internet at all. But if you're noticing all the people that you take the advice from all seem to quote the same person, maybe start following what that person has to say. And you can skip the line a little bit. Um, and then hire these, other. you'll know who to hire to help you because they know that you're there and you guys are aligned and how you feel. And hey, just more money in the pockets of folks, more confidence and freedom, more smiles on people's faces. That's a good day for me.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on board. Um, I know everyone took massive value from this video. Um, guys, if you have questions, drop them in the comments below. Um, also too. Hit him up on Twitter as well too. I know he's pretty active as well um, on Twitter as well too. So uh, feel free to reach out to him on there as well. Um, but yeah, Charlie, thank you again for coming on board, and uh, really appreciate your time today, man.
1: Thank you, man. I'm 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 excited. This was great, and uh, yeah, this this will be until next time. And blow up the comments. Like I'd love to do a, a like a mailbag show of all your follow, of all your followers, and just like. Tim in Arkansas says this. Lisa in Pacoima needs an answer to this question. You know,
0: Stacy in
1: Albuquerque. And all I know about Albuquerque is that Bugs Bunny should have taken my left there. So, like, teach me something too. We'll have a good time.
0: Hey guys, drop a bunch of comments below. And then, yeah, maybe we can do a part, well, three. Part two for my, uh, part one for my channel, but we've already done a video together, um, on Charlie's Twitter as well. Um, uh, but yeah, we can do kind of a part three to this with so everyone's comments below. Y'all just hammer them below, and um, maybe we can do a part three on that side.